Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the author's books and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for over 2,000 years. I'm joined this week again with Dr. Benjamin Smith, lecturer in philosophy for Catholic Studies Academy. And today our topic is going to be justice. And we're going to uh, approach the topic of justice from a political and ethical point of view. Uh, and in particular, we're going to get into St. Thomas Aquinas' treatment of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dr. Smith, welcome back. And uh, to get us started here, maybe we can get into just kind of some uh, a, a general definition, particularly like mm-hmm. we said of St. Thomas. How does uh, um, St. Thomas kind of uh, define justice in this way? Okay. Um, I just want to start by saying that I uh, uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because I think it's very timely. Uh, obviously, we're in time a lot of uh, kind of political turmoil, uh, a lot of uh, strife. And so words like justice get thrown around a lot. Um, you know, people uh, have strong ideas, beliefs um, attached to justice. And so I think it's useful for us to have some, you know, sort of a classical source uh, to fall back on uh, to give us some some good ideas and uh, direction in our thinking about uh, justice. Uh, a lot of the ideas that Thomas uses when he talks about justice, especially just sort of in general, are not entirely unique to him. Certainly a lot mm-hmm. of those he takes from Aristotle, um, but you can see them uh, used um, in similar ways by other uh, medieval theologians. Uh, but certainly Thomas, uh, Thomas's way of talking about these things uh, was very influential on the development of Catholic theology subsequent uh, to him. So he uh, uh, adopts a a definition that's very standard, really, for classical philosophy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the view that that justice is the virtue or the habit of rendering what is due to another. Mm -hmm. So in Thomas's conception, right, he, um, uh, there's two different ways to approach Thomas's ethics. Uh, In one way, you can approach it from the perspective of natural law, which is a little more rule-based or from the perspective of uh, virtue, which is more based in character. Um, but there, these are really kind of two, side, uh, two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can uh, approach them from either side. And I think the, the, for the majority of the time, Thomas is using a, a virtue ethics kind of uh, approach. And so when he says it's a habit, what he means is, is it's a virtue. So um, a virtue is a, is a habit that disposes us to do something uh, that is good and uh, rational and virtuous. And so among the various virtues uh, is included justice, which is very important uh, because we are social animals. Uh, but uh, that definition, right, uh, I'll say it again just to be clear, it's, it's the habit of rendering what is due to another. The key idea here is the idea of the due, right? right like right. What, what does it mean to say that something is due to another? How do you figure that out? Who's to say what's due to another, right? Yeah. In fact, you know, today it seems like people think that lots of things are due to them, right? <laughs> you know, I'm due. Uh, it's due to me to have uh, the perfect uh, healthcare plan, to have a perfect life, to never have my feelings hurt, uh, all those sorts of things, right? We're we're very happy to make uh, claims about our rights. Certainly, Thomas has a more rational approach to it. So the key here is really figuring out like what is the due, like what's due right. to someone. Uh, and the way Thomas has of talking about that is to think about the do as what's proportionate to another person, what's uh, fitting to them, what is consistent with who and what they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So when when I'm teaching my students in class, I talk about this in terms of the student teacher relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, as a uh, what's what's fitting for me. Um, towards my student that is what what is what's proportioned to me as a teacher right right? and what's proportioned to me is to give my students a prepared lecture um that actually has expertise right (laughs) that's truthful that's informed right i I would be unjust to my students it would be funny but it would be unjust for my students if i systematically misled them right right about (laughs) something right uh that would be uh unjust in addition to that uh you know i owe to them a um a fair evaluation Right. So that when I, I grade them a just evaluation. Right. So sometimes, you know, students will say, well, why did you give me such and such? And, you know, well, it's not that I gave you the grade. This yeah, is the grade yeah, that, yeah. that was due to your work. But, right? I, but I paid my tuition. <laughs> you owe me. Right. Right. <laughs> right yeah, so that, that, that's a different sense. Of justice, right? <laughs> um, 
or you could think about, uh, say, uh, between husbands and wives, right? Um, you know, when we think about uh, adultery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, very often, sort of course, and for understandable reasons, kind of focus on the the passion and the sex side of it. But really, the 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 first vice here, right, and the primary vice, right, the primary defect and evil of adultery is it's an act of injustice, right? Mm. Right. Uh, if you're a husband and you've pledged uh, fidelity to a woman, uh, vowed uh, fidelity as in like sort of uh, exclusivity, then uh, you owe it to her. Right. And she yep. owes it to you. Right. Given the, the contractual relationship in which you've entered. And so it's it's an injustice to, to, to deprive her of that fidelity that you promised to her. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and I think, you know, uh... An interesting part of this is that it seems that a lot of this is based on uh, his metaphysics as well sure. about mm-hmm. who the person is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who yeah. they are in their being. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and we, and we wouldn't want to confuse, you know, say uh, what is what is due to a dog with sure. what is due to yeah. a human person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that who who they are mm-hmm. uh, um, um has a direct effect on what is due to yeah, them. Yeah, sure. it's, it's in their being. Their being, that's right. Yeah, in fact, uh, Thomas would say that, n- that nothing is due to dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in that sense, he would not be with the spirit of our contemporary times, right? Right. Um, but the, um, uh, uh, but it, it, he does uh, make a distinction here that I think is useful uh, as well. So if you, if you can get that idea of proportion, right? Right. To who and what someone is, right? So I like to use that who and what to bring out a distinction which is a distinction between, it's going to get a little detailed, but I think the details are useful, all right? Um, uh, a distinction between acquired and natural right. Right. Um, so there are some, some things that um, uh, are acquired, some rights or duties, I should say really duties, that are acquired um, through agreement, through social contracts, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are others that are uh, things that we owe to people by nature, right? right? So I think we can illustrate this, like, when I have a student who comes into my class, okay, they through um, uh, through their voluntary agreement with the school, right, they have entered into a relationship where they have to follow my instructions in that class. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Right. So they owe to me within a very narrow domain a certain amount of uh, deference. Right. Does that make sense? Uh, now that's not by nature. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, like once once the class is over for that semester, they don't owe it to me anymore. In fact, if I if I was to go around and start trying to give them instructions about what they're supposed to do uh, after the class is over, that wouldn't make any sense. Right. right? right. That would be exactly. an injustice on my part. So that's an example of acquired justice, or say what you owe to your landlord. Mm-hmm. Right. That's an acquired debt, so to speak. Right. You don't owe it to your landlord uh, just by nature to pay him five hundred dollars a month or whatever for the rent. Right. Sure. Um, but once you've entered that contract, you do owe it to him. Right. right. Uh, so those, those are acquired, and those are very important. I mean, our lives are full of acquired debitum, acquired um, instances where we owe people things. Right? Yeah. So St. Thomas, he even goes uh, um, in his definition of um, uh, justice, he really gets into this idea of relationships. Sure, yeah. And, yeah. and mm. that's how he brings out his main divisions. That is, that is, yeah. Uh, but before we get to there, yeah, uh, yeah. I just to say one other thing is uh, in terms of natural due. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the natural due is what I owe to you as a rational animal, right? Not as a student necessarily, but just what do I owe to you as a rational animal, or what what I owe to you not as a landlord, but as a rational animal. Yeah, and so that's where things like kidnapping, right, would be wrong, <laughs> right? So why is kidnapping wrong? It's it's useful. I mean, we all might think, yes, clearly kidnapping is wrong, but what's wrong about it? Like, yeah, what's the yeah, evil yeah, yeah. in kidnapping? And uh, the evil in it is that I'm not treating you as what you are. That is a rational being who can determine and govern himself, mm-hmm. right? So there's a certain kind of self-governance that's proper to a human being, right? right. And to kidnap someone is to deprive them of their self-governance, right? right? It, so now this is what we do when we imprison people, yeah, right? But there we say it's, a, it's, it's, it's due to them to yeah. have that deprived because of some earlier crime. Uh, but you're quite right about the the way that, that Thomas situates the main divisions of justice, uh, um, and, and again that goes back to the idea of uh, the fact that we are social animals, right? Right, right? right. So one thing that's very different about the ancient medieval tradition in general, let's say classical philosophy in general, in terms of its conceptualization of political community, is that um, political community is not something um, 
that's invented by humans, but rather it's part of our nature. Right? right. It's part of our nature to be political. Now, there's a lot of variety in the various arrangements that we can develop and, and, and live within in terms of political community, right? Right. The community is natural to us, but the ordering of the community that's right. is what is left to us to decide. And sure. like you said, there's many different ways that we can organize yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ways we can arrange the furniture, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. so to speak. So, I mean, you, you, could, be a, you could have a democracy uh, or a republic. You could have a, a monarchy, those sorts of things. Uh, and different times and different... Um, settings or environments will be you know uh, more uh, conducive to one or the other right uh, so there's a lot of things that are contingent there but the very f- but but the basic fact is that we are naturally political mm-hmm. uh, and, and what he means by that is that we depend upon membership in a political community uh, in order to thrive and flourish mm-hmm. now this kind of pushes a little bit against Maybe some of our American tendencies towards independence, right? Yeah, liberty. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and certainly Thomas would say there's a there's 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 a, an appropriate room for liberty, but at the same time, well, he would insist that, you know, um, that radical forms of individualism are not really correct, right? That is that we yeah. flourish within well ordered communities, and that in fact we decline and do poorly. Uh, when uh, we don't live in well-ordered uh, communities, right? And that is, or at least put it this way, it becomes much more difficult to flourish sure. right? uh, in, a, in a community that is not functioning well. And so uh, for that reason, Thomas uses this idea of our natural sort of political character um, to, divide, to, to spell out the various forms of justice, right? So he, he, he imagines it this way, that... that uh, a hu- each individual human and each individual family is compared to the whole political community. Notice I didn't say the government or the state, <laughs> yeah. but it's compared to the whole community as a part to the whole, right? Right. So uh, I am a part of a greater whole because I, in a, sense, in a sense, depend on that whole in order to flourish, in order to uh, achieve personal development, uh, in order to... Uh, uh, really to experience a certain kind of happiness, right? Sure. Um, now, uh, some people sometimes are uncomfortable with that idea, right? That, that I depend on my community in order to flourish. Yeah, and I think there, you know, I think there's, I, I think the, the, the key word there is is flourish. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. can, can I survive? Yeah, maybe. Uh, sure. But the, the idea of flourishing, uh, uh, I think, is important because, you know, if, if everything was left to me, well, you know, there's only... So many, so many hours in a day that, sure, right. that I could work. There's only, there's only certain things that I'm good at, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm not good at like gardening, sure, you yeah, know, so right. like, uh-huh, like uh-huh. having to provide actual yeah. food, uh-huh. you know, you know, stuff like that. You know? Yeah. So Aristotle talks about this. Uh, Adam Smith, of course, brings that much later, but as a division of labor, mm-hmm. right. You know, coming together as a community, right. Uh, in which there's a division of labor, right. Um, really makes the whole, makes all of us more productive. Yeah. Right, and we get to benefit from yeah. Because if you have to do everything yourself, you're right. Like you say, like you're, yeah. you're just not going to get very far. Yeah, and right? half of the things are going to be done poorly. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. We yeah, may yeah, be clothed, yeah. but we're going to be poorly. Fed. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. And of course, there's issues about security. Yeah. Right. As well, um, uh, it's hard. You know, may you know, as an individual, you may be a good shot, but even the best shot, you know, contrary to what movies will tell you, you know, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna, you probably lose to ten guys yes. if you're just by yourself, yeah. right? So when the when the local neighborhood thugs come to raid your, you know, farm, um, if there's more than just a couple, they're probably gonna get you, right? Yeah. Um, you might get lucky, but you know, that's gonna be a very uh, insecure situation uh, to to exist in. And then also, uh, of course, there's a matter of justice and law, right? That is that. It's going to be hard to bring about a robust system of law within, uh, just as an individual, right? You oh, yeah. The community to kind of develop that. So those are ways in which you can think about the dependence. I think sometimes when people react against it, they don't they don't like the word depends, yeah, right? Yeah. As if you're a dependent upon the state. Yeah. And and Thomas doesn't mean that, and Aristotle doesn't mean that in a radical sense, like you're just getting everything from the state, sure, sure. right? That is the government, right? Yeah. Um, it just means that being part of political community, right, is part of human flourishing. Yeah. Okay. And I think even, you know, uh, not just, you know, materially speaking, but I mean, even, you know, psychologically sure. speaking, I mean, mm-hmm. think about, you know, some of the worst 
forms of punishment are those that deal with solitude. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I mean, that yeah. just, I think that speaks to, again, going back to, mm-hmm. you know, who we are mm-hmm. uh, and how we were made, that we were made to live in a, a community, a political system mm-hmm. in that way. And that when we are deprived of human contact sure. and stuff, that is actually a form of punishment. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, so I mean, I think yeah, that's, right. sure. you know, another way to think about when we talk about, uh, you know, being dependent on the state, it's not mm-hmm. this kind of uh, um, radical Mm-hmm. Um, kind of dependency, but a, but a, a natural one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. On, uh, on our cooperation politically. Right? right. So this allows us. Right. So if we accept that kind of image, right, that okay. model, you could say, uh, then Thomas says we can identify three relationships that really help us to understand the three forms of virtue. Okay. Or three forms of justice. Excuse me. Um, so one of them is, uh, uh, and that's based on these three relations. So the the relationships are the relationship, and I'll say this a couple times. Of the whole to the part, of the part to the whole, and of the part to each other. Okay. Okay? So I'll say that again. Relationship of the whole to the part, to the whole community. What does it owe to the individual? Okay. Right? Then what does the individual owe to the whole community? Mm Mm-hmm. And then what do individuals within that community owe to one another? Okay. Now, actually, I think this is actually a really neat model for thinking about almost any community, not just the political community. I think this works within institutions, right? Yeah. Actually, you can think about what does the college, right? What does the university owe to me as a faculty member? What do I owe to the, to the university, yeah. right, as a part of that greater whole? And what do I owe to my colleagues? Yeah, right? yeah. So you can, I, it's actually a really fluid, uh, I think, really flexible way of, of, of talking about those kind of relationships. Yeah, it's a really natural way, too. Because, I mean, you think about uh, a family, and a lot of times this sure. is how families kind of operate with with uh, within it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I explain to my children what I expect of them. Uh-huh. Sure. You know, and sometimes, you know, there is a little bargaining there. But, but you know, we, we you know, I also explain, you know, what... what J- uh, Jason, do, never negotiate. <laughs> never. Right. <laughs> it's always predetermined and I make it seem like it's oh, okay, 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 okay. All right, all right, very good. Okay. So, but, but, you know, this is kind of the way we, we also, you know, understand. You know, I explain to my children how they are going to treat each other, sure. how mm-hmm. I'm going to treat them, and how they're required to, to treat me. That's right. And those mm-hmm. kinds of relationships, they're, while being similar, they're, they're, they are distinct. Sure. You know? yeah. So yeah. I think you know, the way that he d- uh, uh, divides these relationships within justice, it's, it's a very natural one. And again, mm-hmm. like you said in the beginning, you know, I think it's important for us, uh, particularly in the time that we live, uh, for us to have maybe... A, a clear understanding in our head mm-hmm. of uh, kind of this understanding of justice. Sure, It'll yeah. serve us well. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, it could, you can just sort of try to focus on three questions here, like mm-hmm. when you're thinking about justice. What do I owe to the community? What does the community owe to me? And what do we owe to each other? Yeah. Those are good three questions to, to focus on. And uh, historically, classically, uh, traditionally, we, we start with the, the question of general justice or political justice which is the question of what is it that the individual owes to the community as a whole? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do I owe to the United States of America? What do I owe to Tennessee? What do I owe to, uh, to, to my county um, uh, or city, if, if you live in a, a city? Um, so the, um, uh, what Thomas thinks uh, we owe is we owe, it to serve, we owe to it to serve the common good, right? Uh, and again, this is a challenging idea sometimes, right? But yeah. what I owe to the United States of America or whatever country uh, you live in um, uh, is to serve the common good. So if you live, uh, if you're a citizen, uh, I guess it's a citizen or is it a subject? I don't know. But if you're a subject uh, of the, in the United Kingdom, I think it is a subject, right? Yeah. Because officially it's still a monarchy. We can right? call him that. Yeah, okay. In yeah, America, so. we can call him that. <laughs> uh, uh, but if you're a subject of the Queen... Uh, then it's your duty to serve the common good of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, as an American, it's my duty to uh, serve uh, the common good of the United States of America. Um, and in fact, to serve that common good uh, um, even over my own uh, individual good. Now, yeah. this, is, this is a That's a, a hard concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So... Um, uh, in general, Thomas thinks that uh, this is just a, 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 a thesis of his, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a controversial one, but I, I think it's very important, um, that the common good is superior to the individual good. Mm-hmm. Now, this takes a lot to think through, I think, actually. Yeah. But um, uh, 
here's a here's a one way of thinking about it. Uh, think of it, you're, you're a member of a sports team, mm-hmm. right? You're a member of a, a football team, and um, that 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 that's a group. It's a whole, right? And what I owe to to it is uh, to that football team is to serve the common good, right? That is the common goal of the football team. What's mm-hmm. the common goal of the football team? Put points on the board. Yeah, put points on the board for the sake of right winning victory. That's right. Yeah, winning exactly right. That's the common good, and everything that you do, every all the practices, uh, all of the um, the discipline, uh, all those sorts of things, um, uh, are organized around the common good of victory, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means subordinating your individual good, mm-hmm. right? So uh, you might be told, well, you have to get into this drill during practice in which you know you're going to get creamed over and over and over again <laughs> yeah. by a superior player and that's just the that's just the knocks of it right yeah. because why not not just be, not just for the sake of uh, of you know malice or cruelty but because that serves the interest of the common good of victory yeah right? it makes everybody better in practice at least that's the idea yeah right? well i mean you just think of the offensive line they that's get right. they get no that's they get right. no glory uh, yes that's you know? right absolutely uh, uh, in fact i think that i think yeah, i think it's important to, to point out that the uh, offensive linemen in american football are paragons of virtue <laughs> i will also say i played offensive line, yeah, they're so well, <laughs> interest of full disclosure but well paid. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah. the um so if you think about it uh, in those terms uh, another way to, uh, to think about it is um, sort of personal stats or honors, yeah. right? So your statistics as a, maybe a wide receiver, right? Sure. Who does get personal statistics. It might be the case that the coach decides, in this game, for the victory of the team, we're going to use you primarily as a decoy. Yeah. We're not going to throw you the ball a single time, but in order for you to be a good decoy, you need to go out there and act as if, hustle, and act as if you're about to catch the most important pass in the game. Over and over, over and over again, right. right? So you're going to sa- yeah. we're going to sacrifice your individual good, that is your personal honors, your personal statistics, for the common good of the team, and you should be joyful about <laughs> your role in advancing the victory of the team. Does that yeah. make sense? It, it does. It, it does, and it doesn't. It, okay. it, all right. So maybe we can talk this. Try, try to clarify this. So, you know, I understand this. You know, uh, particularly say on the point of uh, even like the military. Mm-hmm. You know, the military. That's uh, a much uh, more important example. Yeah, yeah. They 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 sacrifice a lot for the good of the country. Maybe you even know? their individual lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah they subordinate you know their own living so that others mm-hmm. may live. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we see that as a as a noble as a good thing, um, but on the other hand, mm-hmm. you know, how do we how do we maybe distinguish this view from say you know communism? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, okay. uh, where uh, where you know where where the state says you know you will do this for the common good. We're mm-hmm. going to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, take all of the. Uh, 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 the, the products of your labor mm-hmm. and distribute them sure. uh, to whoever we see fit. Right, right. How do, how do we? How mm-hmm. can we make that distinction? Because on the one hand, yes, when you're using, you know, when you're using the military, using the football team, I get it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but then when you look at mm-hmm. communism, you know, because right, yeah. they, they'll, they'll they'll make maybe even a similar argument. Right? Yeah. Well, they'll make a claim here, but in yeah. fact, uh, you know, the, what what they think is the common good, in fact, is not the common good. Right. And one of the things that's important here is the common good. Is not is not the equalization of individual goods. Say right? that again. I think okay. that's important. <laughs> the common good is not the equalization of individual goods. Yeah. And very often, unfortunately, even sometimes church leaders speak this way, as if the common good just meant well that everybody gets the same size sandwich. Yeah. Right. So we're gonna have a sandwich here or pizza, better example, and or pie. There we go. We have pie. Mm, pie. And we're gonna and what what is the common good is for everyone to get the same size slice of pie. Yeah. Right. Uh, again, that's the idea that the common good means equal the equalization of individual goods. Right. But that's incorrect. That's incorrect. in fact it's that's that defeats the ability to achieve the real common good. The real common good, right, is the is a good one in number. This is very important. It's a good one in number shared by many. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the victory of the com- of the team is everyone's victory. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's a it's a it's a singular goal, but it's sh- but it's shared by and pursued by the whole team. Mm-hmm. Right. 
uh, it's not many individual goods. Right. So we're not saying everybody gets a trophy. That, <laughs> see, that's communism. That's not pursuing the common good, actually. That's yeah. just equalizing individual goods. Does yeah. that make sense? Yep. So that's... one of the things to, to kind of have in mind here, right, is a common good is a good one in number shared by many. An individual good is a good one in number, uh, but not shared sure, by man. many. It's proper to oneself or just for oneself. Uh, it's not a bad thing, by the way. There's nothing wrong yeah. with the individual good. In fact, often you should pursue it. Um, but there, are, uh, but within community, right? You should be willing to put your individual good second to the common good, right? Right. And one one last point here that's very important, I think, to recognize is that um, the common good is not an alien good. Right now, what do I mean by that? Right, yeah. it's it's still your good, it's just not your individual good. Right. So, like, let's say you're the receiver who's been the decoy for the whole game, you are still on the winning side. You right? still get the ring. You get the ring, right? Like you you were on uh, you you are part of the group that enjoys the victory. Yeah. Right. And so, um, uh, it's your good. It's just not your individual good. It's your common good. Yeah. Right. It's the good you share with others. I think this is actually so important. When you think about institutions, when you think about teams, uh, when you think about uh, groups of any kind, I would say actually when you think about families, right? yeah. thinking about the common good of the family. Now, in a joking way, I like to tell my, 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 my children when it's time to do chores that I'm giving them a new opportunity to contribute to the common good of the family. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, uh, but in, in all truth, right, um, you know, I think families sometimes tend to pull, fall apart or pull apart because the members begin to pursue and prioritize their individual good over the common good of the family. Yeah. And the common good of the family is our shared domestic life. Yeah. Right. And when people say, oh, actually, my career, my football game, my whatever, right, that my enjoyment of the football game, whatever it is, that's more important than our shared domestic life. Then actually, that's when families start to decline. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could even see this, you know, as, you know, Raising five kids, you know, I, I, I have these same similar conversations with, you know, my children where, you know, they're what they what they how they want to experience pleasure and happiness mm-hmm. may be uh, uh, watching eight hours of TV, mm-hmm. you know, in a day where while that may give them that temporary or what they think is their individual good, you <laughs> That's know, right, right. or something like that, you know, they'll they'll, you know, I'll say, well, you know what, what's really good mm-hmm. It, and what benefits the family as a whole, as a whole yeah. you know, is if we all pitch in and do this chore or we all pitch in and we, we do this. We all go to a, church together. Yeah. We all, uh, like we have, uh, we eat together as a family right. or whatever it may be. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We clean up after dinner yeah, together. Right. You know, yeah, sure. Certain things like that, you know, whereas they want to go do other things. Mm-hmm. And so it's more, but it, but it's actually one of those things that uh, um, I think that, uh, like you said, it's not, it's not an alien good that's right that that yeah. even the 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 you know and, and we know this is especially as catholics you know mm-hmm. the things that we do together as a family make us stronger sure, and yeah, it's absolutely. the same with the the, the community mm-hmm. i think as well the things that uh, the community does together for the common good of the community mm-hmm. even if it means sacrificing your time your saturday or something like that to help the community mm-hmm. um but it actually brings the community closer and 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 that serves the individual good as, as well, well. As well, that's it's right. not yeah. alien yeah. to yeah. the individual mm-hmm. good. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a, a great point. So when we, uh, uh, so what is it then that we owe to the common good of the political community? Okay? Yeah. So, so um, that's what we, we we should serve the common good of the political community. Um, notice I'm input. I keep saying co- political community. Right. This doesn't mean sometimes people think it's the good of the government. Yeah. That's yeah. not it. The government is actually there to serve the common good of the community. Right. Yeah. And, and that's all of us together. Right. Um, so how is it that I principally go about doing this, uh, serving the common good of the family? I'm sorry, the common good of the political community. Um, uh, I, I do it through obeying legitimate authority. Uh, that Again, that's a tough one. Right. To oh, yeah. Great, right. <laughs> so why is that the case? Well, this goes into the idea of like what is legitimate authority? Why yeah. is there authority? What is authority? What is obedience? Yeah, what is <laughs> obedience? That's right. And so uh, I think it's an important idea uh, that, that deserves some thought. We don't tend to, I think, recognize the importance of authority enough. Mm-hmm. We tend to associate too easily and too quickly authority and power. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, power and authority do have some relationship, but they're not the same thing. You could have power and lack authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, authority is the right to be obeyed, 
right? Yeah. Somebody is an authority when it's owed to them to be obeyed in a certain area sure. of life, right? For a certain, very importantly, for a certain goal, right? So if you go back to the, the sports team, right? The coach, right, is the, uh, the one who has the care of the common good of victory for the team. Mm-hmm. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. Right? And it's similar in the political community. Now, I'm going to say king, okay, just because it's easier to say, and that's the way Thomas talks, right? <laughs> but really, this just fits for any political authority, okay? And for our British listeners. That's right. And, yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, yes. For our friends in Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and the United Kingdom. Um, the, um, that, um, uh, the king has the right to be obeyed um, about things, um, because he has care of the common good, right? So in a community, if you think about this, in any community, there's a tendency to go after your individual good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing in itself. In fact, we're naturally wired kind of to go after individual sure. goods. So I don't mean by saying that we go after individual goods that we're being sort of viciously selfish. It's just we have a tendency to go after what's desirable for ourselves, yeah. right? Uh, and those can be good things, but uh, sometimes even good individual things need to be set aside for the common good of the whole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so there needs to be someone or, or someone, if it's a council or an assembly or whatever it is, who decides on this is how we're going to achieve the common good. Right. Right. If we all say, okay, even if we're all, say, really motivated for the common good and we say, oh, well, I'm going to go achieve the common good this way and you're going to go achieve it that way. And then all of a sudden we're all building you know, 50 different versions of the common good yeah. and none of them actually get accomplished. Yeah, what yeah. we need to do is all come together to cooperate, right, in order to uh, achieve something, right? Yeah. You, th- you can think about this in terms of um, uh, a kind of synergy, right, where um, the when everybody works together in a cooperative way, um, there's uh, the it's greater than the sum of its parts sure, kind of thing, sure. right? You're able yeah, yeah. To, to build much more. I mean, you might be able to build one chair, Right, over and over again on uh, a given day. But if you're all working together, you can all build a house. Yeah. Right. Uh, efficiently. So uh, there needs to be someone ultimately who's in charge. Right. Okay. And that authority that 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 they have is not just an authority to uh, kind of will whatever they want. Absolutely. But that their authority exists for the sake of the common good. That's right. So the way I like to put this, and I think this is a key idea, is that um, the common good both legitimizes and limits authority, mm. right? So uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're the father of a family, uh, then you know you have, um, then it's your job, right? You have the responsibility to have care over that family and its achieve- achievement of the common good of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, but that's not for your own personal aggrandizement, yeah. <laughs> right? Or your own personal pleasure, right? Yeah. That authority is limited to the co- to achieving the common good of the family. Um, so, or similarly, say with the political community, right? So, working back out here, the king has the authority he has in order to advance the common good of the whole community. Mm-hmm. If he uses it simply for uh, his individual good, right, then in fact he becomes a tyrant. Yeah. Right. So one of the things that's really interesting, and and by the way, I said king, but that also applies to aristocracies, and it also applies to democracies. Mm-hmm. In Thomas's view, and all the ancient views, democracies can be tyrannies, yeah. uh, in the sense that uh, when a, uh, a an assembly rules not for the common good of the community, but for the individual good of, say, a faction or their own individual good, to the detriment of the common good, then they are act- actually abusing their authority. Yeah, and we even right. have political laws that are against this. You know, when mm. politicians uh, um, use their use their authority and their power and their position for mm-hmm. financial gain. Sure, right. That's right. that's punishable by law. That's you right. Know, there's yeah. there's mm-hmm. all kinds of laws against that mm-hmm. for good reason. Sure, like yeah. Say. But uh, in the day to day operations of a political community, yeah. right? Uh, like there's got to be some authority that eventually says we're going to drive on the right side of the road or we're going to drive on the left side of the road. Yeah. Right? Somebody's got to decide the wrong side, of the, road. <laughs> yeah. the right or the wrong. <laughs> and um, uh, we can't all be making it up on our own, sure. right? Because then there'd be car wrecks all the time. So um, uh, well, the way we serve the common good then, um, most specifically, right, is through obeying the, uh, the laws of, uh, articulated by legitimate authority. Right? That doesn't mean we're always going to agree with the laws. Yeah. Right? But does, that, does that mean I have to follow every law? I don't think so. Thomas doesn't think so. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we might there might there's a difference between say a law that we think is silly or imprudent but not bad. Right. Right. So we might say a given policy of the king is not the best idea. It's inefficient. Doesn't make any sense. Whatever. But if it's not bad. We need to respect the legal order. We need to respect the authority. Right. Does that make the, make sense? Right. But that that's a different case from say if the king establishes something that is in fact evil. Right. Right. Unjust. That's right. That's unjust. Right. So so going back to your question about communism, right? That you know communism deprives us of our our natural right, mm-hmm. right, to private property, right. Um, or if you were to say um, if um, uh, the um, state was to legislate or the authority of the king was to legislate that we couldn't practice Catholicism, right? right. Then that would be uh, depriving us of what's due to us, which is the opportunity to practice the true religion. Um, so the um, uh, there's, there's various things you could go through and say, okay, well, that, in that case, right, yeah. actually he the king would be abusing his authority. Yeah. That's what I mean by limits, right? Because right. he wouldn't be ruling for the common good. Uh, and and we we would be permitted to sort of resist right or not obey at least permitted to not obey right, right? okay right even like uh, you know if the government were to say you can only have one child right you know uh-huh, uh-huh. limiting you know and it's a very real example you mm-hmm. know. Um, something like that. That is an that is an abuse of power. That is an unjust law. Sure. That is not the, yeah. for the common good. Right. Or, or you couldn't decide how to educate your children. Right. For example. Right. Uh, that would be depriving parents of their what's due to them. Yeah. You know. Now there are lots of things, of course, that the the uh, political uh, authority can do that um, we don't need to go into all the details here. But there's a couple of uh, specific kinds of actions that political authority can sure. do that we should justly respect. Uh, involving uh, taxation, uh, so taxes are not intrinsically evil. Uh, that doesn't mean you know. Uh, well, uh, I don't know about <laughs> you know, that. No, I'm just joking. Right. Um, <laughs> taxation is a power of uh, political authority. Sure. Of course, it can be abused. Yeah. Like any other power, right? So you might say the state, uh, the the king has the right to levy taxes um, for the sake of the common good. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean all uh, that every form of taxation sure. is in fact right uh, a good one. Also, the king, very importantly, has the, the mission of punishment. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the, I would argue one of the primary functions of the king is the punishment of malefactors. Uh, that is, um, uh, people who, who commit injustices, yeah. right? Uh, and, then, and then that includes sometimes uh, the punishment of war uh, against unjust aggressors. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, Thomas characterizes war not primarily as an act of defense, but as an act of punishment. This is actually true in a lot of the natural law tradition. Mm. We tend to really emphasize the defense idea. Yeah. But Thomas and a lot of other medieval theologians characterize war uh, actually primarily as a form of punishment, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Right? Uh, they're punishing the uh, the people who are unjust aggressors. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then also just distribution. And I'll hold off saying much about that uh, for now. But those are some of the things um, that the... Uh, uh, that I owe, I owe to injustice. Yeah, I owe to the king if he commands me to go to war, and it's not obviously illegitimate mm-hmm. to go to war. Right. I also owe to the king or the government uh, that I will pay the taxes that are levied, um, unless they're wildly unjust. Yeah. Right? You know that sort of thing. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does, and I, and and I think you know in our our heads we all have, you know, you know examples or things yeah, we're thinking yeah. of. But again, I think the 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 big the big point here is to understand, you know, this is kind of, uh, um, we're we're talking general. That's right. These are general principles. Here. Yeah, yeah. The general principles that have to be applied with prudence to concrete situations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but they are. Uh, I think that they are uh, very sound uh, principles. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think the other thing that uh, uh, that pops into my mind, you know, when we go through something like this, is is you know to think of you know the the people, especially because we we live in a in a system where we are we are able to vote mm-hmm. for uh, those people who have that authority mm-hmm. uh, um, to really you know exercise that uh, um, and look for people who are you know uh, genuinely. Uh, strive to bring about mm-hmm. the common good, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then we have a, you know, and that's why, you know, I think one of the things that, that we do 
good as Americans is, you know, we hold up that right to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, I think, you know, from the founding, we have we have this understanding of uh, authority. Um, but at the same time, we, mm-hmm. we can see where abuses can, sure. can, can begin yeah. to happen. And that we have a... But the the nice thing is that we have a way to make the changes sure. in our legal system, in our uh, in our voting system. We have the the ability to make those changes mm-hmm. uh, that we can. We don't just have to, you know, all mm-hmm. of a sudden have a armed revolution. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, which, 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 by the way, isn't always illegitimate in Thomas's right. view. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Things worth noting, right? Again, to our British friends. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. There are times, right? Now, Thomas thinks yeah, this is yeah. very limited. Yeah. But that there are times where civil disobedience is permissible, right? Sure. It, when the, when the, when the, the, when the authority is grossly abusing its power. Sure. Uh, one may, in fact, disobey, right, an unjust law. And even further, and when, when I think when he says, you know, there's um, uh, habitual, um, long-term, widespread injustice yeah. uh, that's of a very grave sort, he thinks it's in, in fact possible to remove the government. Right? Yeah. That is that uh, one may, um, that there is such a thing as just insurrection, yeah. right? Um because uh, you might say, well, wait a second, I thought we were supposed to obey authority. Yeah. The key point is, if somebody has become, if a ruler has become habitually tyrannous, they 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 have power, but they've lost authority. Right. They no longer have the right to be obeyed. Right. Right. And therefore, may in fact um, be, um, you know, removed. Yeah. The abuse of power or the abuse of their authority actually mm-hmm. leads to their loss of that authority that's right yeah yeah um, and eventually you have to take take the power away too yeah that being the key right they're 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 using it and they might still have power right the right. ability to force but they've lost the authority to use it yeah and i think you know a, 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 a maybe a, a small example of that mm-hmm. you know is when you know we see you know like abuse happening in families mm-hmm. sure uh, um, yeah somebody steps in and says you no longer have the authority right and the power to to, to have care over this child. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. child is removed from that situation and that authority is stripped from that person yeah. uh, who had who previously held the authority and had the power uh, to do that. So we can mm-hmm. understand this on you know different levels. We don't always have to go to our American <laughs> political system to understand. That's true. Now here's the thing is you yeah, might be, you know, uh, if we have any British listeners, <laughs> they can all, it would be well within their rights to dispute sure. whether or not that was a just insurrection. Yeah. You're right. They could say, well, actually, uh, I mean, this is this, historically, this is indisputable. We were subjects of the English crown. I mean, that just that yeah. that, that was the case. Right. Uh, and um, no one, even the even the founders didn't dispute that. I think if you actually look at the declaration, it's interesting. They they recognize that they have to make a case for why it's OK for them to rebel. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, to, as they say, to sever the bonds that have kept you know two peoples together of, of this long period of time, uh, they recognize that that really the burden of proof is on them, yeah. right? And so I think you know uh, you one could argue back, right, that uh, actually the, the the circumstances weren't such, right, that uh, um, the the king was so tyrannous yeah. that uh, it was right to rebel. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think is an interesting uh, point. Yeah, that they had to make the case. Yeah, they had to make the case. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so that 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 gets into that uh, political justice, mm-hmm. uh, the the justice from the part owed to the whole. Mm-hmm. And what about um, uh, distributive justice? Maybe okay. we can get right. into that. What the whole owes to the part. Right. Sure. Sure. Uh, and so, uh, and that you know, if we just cover, uh, I guess, political justice and distributive justice, that'll probably give us a good picture of. Of yeah, the overall yeah, yeah. functioning of politics here. Maybe we'll uh, save commutative justice for later. But the um, uh, so distributive justice yeah, is all about what does the government or sorry, what does the political community owe to the individual, individual. right? Okay. So I think this is I would say this is roughly parallel to what is talked about as social justice. Right. Okay. Um, uh, now there's some dispute about that among philosophers and theologians exactly where social justice falls on this. Spectrum, but I, I think that this it makes the most sense uh, to put it in the area of uh, distributive justice. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what are we talking about when we're talking about uh, uh, distributive justice? So, this is uh, this involves the distribution, right, 
of um, of of goods that belong to the whole to the parts. Right, right. now, again, our own setting, you know, that this just kind of maybe feels a little uh, problematic, right? Because we we instantly start to bring in the word redistribution. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And and you know there's a there's a way in which this is a kind this might involve a kind of redistribution but there's sure. a lot of qualifications on it yeah right? so um, uh, for the most part distributive justice involves uh, again the political authority so yeah. the political authority what does the political authority what should it distribute to uh, on behalf of the community to the individual parts of the community and um, and, and as always with justice it's going to involve rendering what is due to the part so what is it what is it that's due what is it that's mm-hmm. owed to the individual parts and uh thomas thinks that what's due uh is determined by merit and need okay, okay. uh notice not want <laughs> okay <laughs> right the community does not owe you whatever you happen to <laughs> want okay what the community owes you is what you merit uh-huh and what you um, um, need, yeah. okay, and really need, yeah, right. and really need, yeah. So one of the things that that's in, important here, right, is um, is we can think about it as um, supporting real and legitimate need. the The normal course of affairs, of course, is that you are going to um, uh, provide things for yourself, right, right. and you're going to provide for your your family. Uh, and for your local community, right, through your own industry, right, mm-hmm. through your own efforts. Um, but, uh, and, that, and that is, and Thomas is very clear about it, that this is, in fact, the, the, the most efficient um, way to do it. He doesn't use the, the idea of the principle of subsidiarity explicitly, but he does have the idea that there are uh, functions and goods that are proper to the parts. Yeah. Okay. So the parts that uh, the function that's proper to the parts of say the family, right, is the um, the what's proper to it is the um, felicity, the domestic felicity of the spouses, the um, uh, procreation and education of children, mm-hmm. right, as well as the means thereto, yeah. right, which includes making a living, right. So that that he actually sees as proper to the family. Uh, that so what that means is that it's not the the role of the political authority to govern the education of children, which is actually interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the role of the political authority yeah, yeah. to uh, um, govern the procreation of children. Right. It's not the role of political authority to interfere in the family. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, the role of the political authority um, to interfere with the family's provision of its own means to life yeah does that make sense so yeah so i'm wondering i'm saying a lot of knots here in order to understand that that thomas recognizes that the political community does have a role and the authority political authority has a role in distributing certain goods but it's not every good right okay right. and and uh and and the, for the most part part the parts of the community have proper functions and right. goods that are proper to it now, what if a family can't, in fact, provide for itself? It can't educate its children. Those sorts of things, yeah. right? Uh, not due to uh, laziness or stupidity, but due to... Genuine need. Genuine need, right? Yeah. You know, it's not your... You know, I mean, you think about a situation like the Great Depression, right? Yeah. It wasn't for lack of hard work or industry. It, just, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the a particular family or particularly man's fault that he was living in an area where there just isn't any work, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, there it's it's incumbent upon the, the, the political authority to meet the real need, right? So you think about the indigent, you think about those who, um, you think about orphans, right? Yeah. Those who cannot provide for themselves, those who are handicapped, etc. The political authority has a duty in justice, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to uh, uh, to make sure that they at least get the needs of life. Yeah, well, and I think so, that's and I and I think you know to to use you know kind of a modern system. You know, when it comes to even just say like, you know the 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 healthcare or whatever. You know, nobody's ar- really arguing that people should have care mm-hmm. for their medical needs. Mm-hmm. Where the 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 arguments come in is how. Sure. Is that provided? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so again, you know, dealing with general principles, mm-hmm. you know, we, we recognize this that mm-hmm. there's a gen, yeah. there's a there's a need, and it, it sure. really, in a matter of justice, right, 
mm-hmm. should be fulfilled, should be met. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, where all the politics get in is how do we meet that need? need? You yeah. Know, so I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, kind of a, a, a natural, you know, on both, wherever you are, mm-hmm. you know, you, we recognize this, mm-hmm. that there that there are those needs that, that the, the community has a, a moral obligation mm-hmm. to uh, try to uh, um, uh, fix, try, sure, to, try to help there. Yeah, so. so I mean, I think what you could say is one view that's off the board, that is one view that we couldn't adopt, right, yeah. I think is the view that the political authority has no duty right, right, right. to provide for the needs of the parts, right? Uh, that would be incorrect, right? right? Uh, similarly, on the other side, the idea that uh, the political authority has a, the duty to provide everything for the parts would yeah. also be off the table, right. right? Now, in between those two, there's a lot of room, <laughs> right? Uh, I think, and you can and you can sort of argue about where maybe uh, to draw the line, sure. right? Uh, about uh, how much should be supplied, but I think Thomas's at least um, default position is that there are goods that are proper to the parts, yeah. And insofar as those parts can obtain those goods. Uh, without interference, they should uh, be expected uh, to do so and, and should be left alone, right, uh, to carry that out. Um, uh, on this point, I think education is a really interesting, right, in the education yeah. of children, right? Um, uh, it's interesting, you know, there were a lot of Catholics who disputed and opposed the development of public education in the early part of the 20th century in the United States. Now, there's a com- complex historical reasons for that. Sure. Um, I think you could see a, a, a place for public education on this view, but uh, it's interesting. I, I think you'd have to think carefully about how it was done and how it was structured in order not to deprive the parts, right, of their proper function yeah. of educating their children. Does, yeah, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's just worth thinking about, right? Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I yeah. think a good debate, a fun, a fun, <laughs> a fun debate, an argument would be whether or not public education. I mean, this is the kind of thing that no politician can actually argue for. <laughs> and thankfully, I'm not a politician, so I don't have to worry about these things. But uh, it would be. An, it's an interesting. I've seen some interesting debates on whether or not uh, public education is just or not. And it's, uh, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a fun. I think it's a fun topic to at least think about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now the other. Now the other part of this is the the the. Uh, when we're talking about social justice, is you know reward and of merit. Yes, yeah. Now that's that's very important, and I think very often misunderstood. Yeah. Okay. Um, because uh, merit means uh, the merit in question here is um, contribution to the common good. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you have done, if you've carried out, if you've done something to contribute to the common good of the whole, you ought to get something back. Right, that's yeah. proportionate to your contribution. Uh, this is a meritocratic principle, mm-hmm. and it's a principle that's uh, very important, uh, and uh, um, it is the basis, right, for for thinking, right, that some uh, will get more than others. Yeah, perhaps because they merit more than others. Why do they merit more? Because they contribute more uh, than others, right? Uh, and so that a certain amount of inequality, uh, economic inequality. Uh, perhaps is in fact uh, just right because there are in unequal contributions to the common good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. And that's <laughs> justice. <laughs> and that is in fact just. Uh, it's not actually just. This is yeah. a really interesting thing. It's not actually just to equalize outcomes. Right. Because what you're doing is you're treating things that are unequal as if they were equal. Yeah. Right. What's unequal? The contribution. Right. So if you're really contributing, uh, uh, you know, twice as much than I am, right? Then you should enjoy twice the goods. Yeah. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's actually that's actually what's just, right? Uh, this attitude that that all distributions, all goods have to be equalized is actually um, is oddly enough contrary to social justice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Even although, when it's you know. Uh, 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 Put on the same level or right. you know, yeah. equalized today. Uh-huh. It's it's not. Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. is, right. is uh, just shows you how far our how distorted our thinking about justice is. Yeah. Now I, I do want to qualify this in an important way, just like I wanted to with the 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 need situation. This means genuine merit. Yeah. Okay. That is, you have genuinely contributed to the common good of the whole community, right? Yeah. 
And I think this is where, so when you start to hear this at first, you might think, oh, yeah, this is kind of like free market economics, right? Yeah. Not exactly, right? Because in a free market sort of situation, you might just, you might get a lot of goods because you've produced a, a good um, a product for which there's a high demand. Yeah. But your product or service might be vicious. Yeah. yeah. In which case, it's not a contribution to the common good. Right. Right. Uh, successful pornographers are not contributors to the common good of the community. Yeah. They don't deserve their wealth. Yeah. Prostitutes don't have a union. Right. You know, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, the, the, again, it goes back to the idea of the common good when it comes That's to right. this, that it has the, uh-huh. uh, that part of it there. And particularly when, you know, uh, uh, like you said, with the the, the merit, mm-hmm. that, so the, the, that it can't just yeah. be uh, the when you talk about merit, merit mm-hmm. is not just an economic uh, concept. Uh, concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. let me put it this way. Maybe say a little bit more strongly. Uh, uh, economics is a moral category. Yeah. Right. And and a lot of economists don't like that view. Early on in the development of economics, economics was all, was done within ethics. Actually, yeah. right. Wow. As, uh, as thinking about the value yeah. of human action and human, and human uh, exchanges. Sure. Right. Um, and so even Adam Smith, right, when he talks about exchanges and he, he, he sort of endorses the invisible hand, he still thinks about it actually in moral terms. Mm. Right. He doesn't think it's uh, amoral. Amoral. Right. Yeah. Uh, an amoral kind of activity. And um, I think that's important to, to bring to the table. I think lots of times we separate those two categories. Um, too strongly, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There is, there, in other words, there is content to the common good, right? Mm-hmm. That that is the common good. Just isn't just whatever is the greatest demand. Yeah. Right. So unfortunately, very often in economics, we tend to think value is equal to demand. Yeah. But that's actually relativistic, right? right. I mean, it's wildly relativistic, and you know, it's it's we shouldn't be relativist about economics, just like <laughs> we shouldn't be relativist about sex. Right, right. right? Yeah, you know? <laughs> so. the, yeah the, and, the, and the common good is not simply just a democratic mm-hmm. uh, process of That's determining right. mm-hmm. what we think is good. That's it's, right. You know, That's right. No. right. There is something that is actually good. Right? Yeah, there's, obje- there's objectivity to it. That's right. Yeah, now, I do want to say it's not like the political common good doesn't include, and Thomas is very clear about this, it doesn't include every virtue, Yeah. right, or every good. It includes what we would say in, in contemporary uh, discourse, we would uh, think of as um, basic goods and services, right? So it doesn't include necessarily Shakespeare and beautiful symphonies or um, uh, other sort of extraordinary things or uh, um, the theological virtue of hope or, <laughs> or things of that nature, right? Uh, those those go beyond uh, uh, the political community. The political community basic, basically focuses on bodily goods developed and exchanged in a way that's temperate and just and uh, brave. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a, a virtuous development and exchange of bodily goods, or we might say basic, basic goods, goods and services. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Well, I think that gives us a good idea of uh, at least kind of those two um, distinctions within justice, mm-hmm. uh, the political justice and the social justice or general justice and distributive justice uh maybe next time we can pick up uh community of justice and just sure. punishment oh even. yeah yeah we do need to, to right. probably talk about that <laughs> I, uh yeah i know we went a little bit long on both those but i think yeah. that gives you actually i mean when i so my specialty is political philosophy obviously I, i'm really very interested in it the um that like you, if you can kind of balance general justice and social justice or general justice and distributive justice uh, those two perspectives, then you, that gives you a lot of principles yeah. for thinking intelligently and clearly about uh, various political issues in our own time in our own country. Yeah, and I think that's important. I I've been on this. I even talk about it. You know, in catechesis, mm-hmm. you know that you know the way we approach things. We need to, uh, 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 in order to kind of renew our culture, we need to have more of a principled approach. Uh, to the things that we do, to the mm-hmm. things that the decisions that we make, as opposed of kind of well, what's trending right now, or sure. what's what sounds good to my ear, mm-hmm. you know? Because even if something sounds good, or even in some cases sounds Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it still needs to be examined. It, it still needs to be discerned whether uh, whether it uh, authentically is or not. Yeah, and we need you clear know. principles by which to do that. Right, yeah. right. So I hope this you know gives us kind of. I, or at least it does for me, uh, uh, gives me more of a clear understanding of that relationship 
between uh, uh, the individual uh, and the political community and what is, owed to, what is owed to me and what I owe the political community as well. So, Dr. Smith, uh, thank you for clearing, clarifying sure. this. <laughs> it's a great topic, fun to discuss. Thank you. Uh, and so, in the meantime, I hope everybody checks us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. You can find um, more content there. You can find our courses that we're offering. Subscribe if you'd like. Uh, you'll have access to our theology courses, our philosophy courses, uh, and um, much more content that's available there. Uh, so again, check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com. And until next time, God bless.